You're listening to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness with host Sean Tice, where we talk about leading fatherless families to the Heavenly Father. Hey, my name is Sean Tice. I'm excited to be back on the Let's Talk About Fatherlessness show. Uh, I have a great guest today, Dylan Novak, celebrity evangelist himself. Uh, we've known each other for, I think we've met each other in 2017 or 18. I think it was 2018. Yeah. And we went to breakfast down in Venice, Florida. And so I'm just excited to be able to talk to you more today. Yeah, man. It's so great to great to talk with you again. It's been about a year since you've been at my church. And so it's the first time I've gotten to see your beautiful face since then. <laughs> yeah. And we, we've kind of um, just formed a friendship over the years. I've followed your ministry. You follow mine. And and I just I appreciate you and what you do. Uh, tell us more about what, what your ministry is. I know you're a youth pastor in uh, Knoxville area, right? Knoxville. Right, right about, about an hour above Knoxville. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, besides being a youth pastor, the, the way I got to know Sean was I have a ministry where I share the gospel with celebrities. I will go to public signings, audit, you know, comic cons, sometimes track people down on the street. Uh, my wife calls me a stalker for Jesus. Um, but I research celebrities and find out what they believe about God, questions they may have. And I write them a letter explaining the gospel based on what they believe. I give them a copy of my friend Tony Nolan's book, Gasp, which is one of the best books I've ever read, uh, along with a Bible and different tracts and material, again, sculpted around what they believe or what they've said. Yeah, and I love your research. I love how you do that. You recently just uh, witnessed to Kevin James, which you know, the guy's hilarious. Um, I think who else, who else have you witnessed? Just, just name off like some people that you've witnessed to recently. Uh, well, this year, um, I've only gotten to two people because it's always slow in the winter. Uh, Mark Wahlberg was the first one of this year. And then Kevin James this weekend, I'm hoping to see Peter Chris from Kiss, um, Alex Winter from Bill and Ted's Big Adventure. Um, going to try to talk to Adam Sandler again, but, uh, in the past I've seen Tom Cruise, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, um, the other guys from Kiss, um, trying to think, Steven Tyler, just some people like that. Yeah, some pretty big names. I mean, pretty big people. I saw you were with uh, the little kids. Will love this. The girl that does the uh, El- Elsa. Is it Elsa? Yes, voice? yes, Adina Menzel. Yeah. yeah, that was a, that was a really fun special day for our cool. family as well because uh, my wife and I we have a daughter, Eternity. She will be two in May. And we met Adina, I met Adina when I went to New York for my high school um, graduation trip, but um, I was able to have a better interaction with her this past September. She did a book signing and she was, she was promoting a, a kid's book, read the kid's book to all the kids there, sang with the kids. It was just really sweet. And my wife and I showed Frozen to Eternity because we're like, well, she's got to see it at least. And uh, we've joked and said that was one of the biggest mistakes of our life. We've watched Frozen probably a hundred <laughs> times. I don't know why. We watched it once and we didn't think she was paying that much attention. And then the next day, no laugh, no laugh. And I'm like, oh, no, it begins. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. The, the beginning scene is my favorite part where they're like digging the ice, taking the ice out. And, oh, I can quote it all for you now if you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. I have, I have an I have an eight year old daughter. I was going to say you've daughter. got daughters too. You're you're in the same boat. <laughs> you got to get one of those microphones. We one of those uh, microphones. She, she oh, can sing. No, Let it go. Yeah, do it. Come on. 
That's great. Well, diving into our, our topic, man, I, I wanted to have you on. I, I was thinking about t- praying about guests, people I should have on talking about thoughtlessness. And you came to my mind because I've seen how you in the past have witnessed different celebrities. And I see the research that you do. And it just really impresses me how much work you put into um, witnessing. I think it's awesome. And I saw I've seen before, I think it was at least the one guy you'd mentioned before we got on the recording here, but how you've researched people that have grown up fodless or from different homes. Would you share about uh, some of those? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's interesting because a lot of times people, all they care about is where someone stands spiritually without uh, taking the time to find out where did they come from? Why, why are they the way that they are? And um, I really feel like if we could just pause and see people for the, in the situation they're in, we could better reach them uh, because not every case is the same. For example, somebody drowning needs different care to be saved than somebody who is stuck on a mountain. You know, that's, that's a very off the cuff analogy, but uh, the gospel, there's the one gospel that saves, but we as Christians, you know, Paul says to be all things to all people. Some people need an earthly father figure to introduce them to their heavenly father. So in my ministry, there have been some cases that I've seen where there's not a, a proper father figure, and that's really affected um, some people. The biggest one is Josh Peck from Drake and Josh. Uh, I don't know if you're very familiar with him, but um, I pulled up on my phone um I wrote it down because anytime I'm going after somebody, if they have a book, I try to read that book because a lot of times they'll open up in ways the in, in certain areas in the book that they don't in other interviews because it's like, this is my playing field. I can say and do whatever I want and not get edited. Um, but he wrote a book last year called Happy People Are Annoying, which I was like, eh, relatable. <laughs> but um, no, it's kidding. But um, <clears throat> he was raised and still follows Judaism. And in his book, there is a chapter called, What Does That Tell You About God? So immediately I flipped to that chapter. And he starts off by saying that he uh, first saw a picture of his dad when he was 24 years old. So Drake and Josh has been off the air. And, you know, because there's there's some cases like you could look at Justin Bieber, who his his dad left he and his mom. And then when Justin made it famous, came into the picture took advantage of Justin and then Steve Miller did he took the money and run and uh, that really mm-hmm. sent Justin on a downward spiral you know and Justin I'm one of those people um I feel like Justin is trying to get his life together he's by far not perfect but who is yeah. again he's searching he, yeah he's um you know he's definitely searching and He's one of those people I'm like, if you, you know, can put all of your effort into sharing the gospel, you can reach a generation, you can reach a people that we, you and I could never reach. Um, but no, so Josh, his dad didn't even come into the picture when his son was one of the highest paid stars, one of the highest paid kid stars of all time. But um, <clears throat> he goes on to, to say in that chapter, what does that tell you about God? He said, I was mad at God, but I wasn't mad at my dad. Every missed Father's Day or Boy Scout meeting, Little League practice or talent show, I didn't wish my dad was there. I just cursed the universe for putting me into this predicament. I was mad at God for everything else seemingly out of my control, being fat, broke, scared. So not having a father just seemed like another way of the universe saying, of course, you don't have one. 
That would be too normal for you, loser. Uh, he then later in the chapter goes on to say, there's a line in the movie Fight Club where Brad Pitt says, our fathers uh, were our models for God. If our fathers bailed, what does that tell you about God? And um, he goes on to say, I think that's a great line. Uh, one rife with all the delicious drama of a great movie, but it does touch on something worth exploring. What kind of imprinting happens when the first person who was supposed to love you leaves? The truth is, I was an angry young man. And he ends the chapter by talking about how much things have changed since he's become a father. Because uh, I, I failed to mention when he saw a picture of his dad when he was 24, it was an obituary picture. So there was... No, no. Yeah, there was no there was no chance of recognizing. There was no chance of that closure. And uh he said in other interviews, um, anybody listening that wants to see it can look it up. He he's talked very openly about his feelings. He's just in the newspaper, and it's like, oh, there's my dad. He looks like oh, me. My. him. Yeah. But uh he closes the chapter saying um, there were moments when my son was just a few weeks old, when the lack of sleep makes you feel like you have a low-grade hangover all day, and I would just stare at him as he slept, drank his bottle, cried, sneezed, you know, he's a baby crap. And uh, I knew I was far from doing it perfectly, but I was there. I was present for all of it, except for the moments when my saint of a mother-in-law would take him for the night. I loved it all, the wake-ups, the diapers, the doctor's visits, and the thought crossed my mind more than once that my dad missed all of this and I just felt bad for him mm -hmm. and you know, so that's Josh is one of those cases where he came to realize you know my dad's the one who missed that but there's so many people who don't see it like that and even Josh still obviously needs a lot of healing healing that only his heavenly father could give him and of course I gave Josh quite a bit of your material when I met him last March that's great that's awesome. Um, and so how, what was his response? Did you, did you say anything about the material you gave to him or you just. So funny story. Um, every celebrity meeting is different. Sometimes you have five seconds, five minutes, an hour. Um, he was doing a book signing at a college promoting this book. So I, I thought it's appropriate to bring this up. This you, you just wrote about it. Um, and they tried their best. They, they were to make a long story short, it was a very disorganized event and the college was not wanting to let everybody in. So it, my wife and I may or may not have snuck a little bit to get in. We were the last people to meet him. Um, and we just acted, I always tell people, you know, they're like, how, how were you able to meet that person? You act like, you know what you're doing when people don't ask questions most of the time. <laughs> but, um, it's when you walk in and you're, ooh, ooh, that's, you stand out. Um, but he had just met about 500 people and he just looked absolutely drained, absolutely exhausted. And I was yeah. like, hey, Josh, how you doing, man? Because he's not that much older than me. And he, he said, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm done. And I, I said, I feel you, man. And I'm like, shoot, I was really hoping that, you know, because he's a very perky person. I was hoping to kind of get that that side of him. And I said, Hey, I've, I bought your book last week. I've been reading it. And he was thanking me. And I said, this chapter stood out to me. And he said, Oh, did it? Why's that? And I was able to explain. Uh, I have a friend who has a ministry about people who grew up fatherless. 
And I said, I work in the youth department. I see that firsthand all of the time. And it just absolutely broke my heart. And I'm, I'm so, so very sorry. And he was, you know, oh, it's all good, man. You know, he's just kind of, kind of being dismissive of his feelings, which I feel like we all do to a degree, you know, when we're put on the spot, it's like, don't feel sorry for me. Um, but I said, you know, I want you to know the reason I came to meet you today is I love you. I care about you. I got you this gift, wrote you a letter, and I, includes, I included some of that material from my friend I was telling you about. And he was very appreciative. He thanked us. And as we were leaving, he said, hey, th- thanks again. So it was it was a good encounter. There wasn't much, much more information that we got from him, but we were able to show him that love and care. That's awesome. And I appreciate what you do, how you go out and talk to these celebrities and the, and the research and the effort you put into it. Um, because honestly, who's, who's witnessing to them? I mean, who's evangelizing right. them? So celebrity evangelist is like, that's so cool. And I told you years ago, I had the idea. I wanted to like, you know, witness to celebrities and stuff and you're, you're doing that. So that's, that's <laughs> awesome. I actually wrote a letter. I mean, this is probably, that's probably 15 years ago. I wrote a letter to Warren Buffett <laughs> trying to witness to him. <laughs> I don't even know if you ever got it. I have no idea. I'm but, pretty sure. You know, I, think I said it. You, I don't even know. I'll tell you though. There's. I, I've heard stories where stuff like that has really broken through to people. And uh, I'm not going to go and spend a lot of time talking about this, but this was just posted in the last week. I think it was on CBN. Claudia Wells from Back to the Future. She posted a bit. Uh, they posted an interview with her talking about how she came to know Jesus and how wow. another actor in the '70s shared the gospel with her and she got saved. Um, but in that, her mom was a single mom and it was a bad situation. And uh, you could possibly use that with your ministry and anyone watching. It just shows how when we don't have the biblical household, the biblical marriage, the biblical outline, how there's that big gap that really messes with people. Wow. Which which one was that? That Caroline? Was that? Uh, Claudia, Claudia Wells. Claudia. She played uh, Marty McFly's girlfriend in Back to the Future. Oh, the girlfriend. Okay, okay. You would know. You'd know more about it than I would. I mean, I've, That's I've, also I've one of my it. favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now, hey, what about you? Just, you mentioned Mark Wahlberg. Did he grow up fatherless? His mom was real dominant in his life, but no. What's uh, his story? His story, really, the biggest thing I know, you know. I got, this sounds terrible. I didn't have much time to research Mark. Oh, uh, it's, uh, it's funny. A week before I met him, Morgan and I were watching Uncharted. Really good movie. Uh, it's him and Tom Holland. And uh, I told her, I said, I'd really like to talk to Mark. And she asked me why. And he's been popping up on Facebook a lot uh, with this Catholic Bible app. And mm-hmm. uh, I said, you know, he um, he seems like a good guy. He's just one of these people who's not solely trusting in Jesus Christ alone. And I said, you know, I really would love to talk with him. And not even a week later, it was announced he was going to do a tequila signing in Louisville, Kentucky the next morning. And I was like, all right, I'm going to Kentucky. So I drove to Kentucky. I wrote his letter standing in line. And then it was even it was really great because I didn't even have to buy the tequila because I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. <laughs> you know, I, I scared my pastor. To death. I, I sent him a selfie in the liquor store. And he's like, you better be witnessing somebody. <laughs> I said, yeah, Marky Mark's. Um, and um, the oh, Mark, was very, Mark was very appreciative and receptive. And uh, he took the time to stop and look at the material. Wow, that's good. That's good. Because. 
yeah, I've seen his uh, the app that he pushes, and he he says he gets up every morning, and he his kids know that he has to have his prayer time and stuff. I've seen stuff about that, but he yeah. is from a Catholic background, which um, you know, hopefully he comes to a you know fully saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and exactly. you know, following Jesus not by works and those things. Yeah, right. And like one thing he said on the Today Show, talking about his kids seeing him get up every morning, he said, "I don't push my beliefs on my kids. I hope they." follow god but that's between them and god i'm like but we as fathers as the spiritual leaders of our home we need to be shepherding our children and we need to be the ones going hey we're getting up we're going to church we're hearing what jesus did for us exactly now any other celebrities that come to your mind about single moms or fatherlessness i'm trying to think um gene simmons from kiss that's a big that's a real big one um he um he actually came from uh, Israel. That um, he and his mom were actually in concentration camps. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, his whole Gene's whole background is is crazy. He's crazy smart. Uh, probably, I, I told somebody the other day he's the smartest rock star I've ever talked to. Very, he's a nice man. Uh, underneath the makeup, he's a nice guy. Um, <laughs> but. Um, and truly, the makeup is one of the most brilliant things because somebody the other day, I told them this and they said, how old is he? I said, he's in his mid-70s. And they're like, you'd have never known it. I'm like, right, because the makeup makes it look like it's 1977 still. Um, but Gene um, was very resentful of his dad because his dad abandoned that. He was just like, deuces, I'm out. Have fun. Wow. And uh, I'm like, really, from from a human fleshly standpoint, standpoint I'm like, yeah, I'd be pretty bitter and mad too. Well, then as Gene became Gene, his dad, um, which Gene's real name is Heim Witz. You don't get much more Jewish sounding than that. Wow. And um, Say it again. Say it again. I'm going to mispronounce it probably. Heim Witz. Wow. Huh. Yeah. And um, his mom made him promise when, she, when he was starting to become a rock star. She said, you will not drink and you will not do drugs. And he never did. He and Paul never got into drugs. Uh, Paul drank casually, but they weren't wild partiers. Peter yeah. and Ace, different story. Um, and Gene always joked. He said, at least my mom didn't tell me to stay away from women because I would have had to promise her that. And I was like, I wish she had. Um, but he, uh, his, yeah. his dad tried and tried to reach out to him. And Gene was like, I'm good. Uh, you weren't there. Literally, we are in Nazi hands, and you left us. I'm good. And um, his dad reached out to him up until you know a few months before he passed away, and was like, "I'd love to see you." And Gene was like, "I don't want to see you." Well, then Gene had um, a reality TV show. I forget what year it was. Probably like ten, twelve years ago. And it's called uh, Gene Simmons Family Jewels. <laughs> um, but um, in one episode, they go over to Israel. And uh, Gene, you know, Gene's wife is like, you know, let's go see your dad. So they go to this gravesite, and Gene just absolutely broke down, ball, and couldn't couldn't talk. And later said, in that moment, I realized I should have made things right. It's not right what he did, but now I'll never be able to have that closure. And. Oh yeah, so you know, really, I don't, I don't know why I didn't lead talking about Gene because even when I witnessed the Gene, 
Gene brought that up. He was like, you know, you know, because he's he's still in the, in the, devout into Judaism, but he was just he he didn't blame God for his dad. He just brought up his dad. It's just something that's very much still at the forefront of his mind, even though he's now seventy four. I think he's seventy four years old. Really? Wow that that's a powerful story. And and, and how long ago was that TV show that he did? Uh, I feel like it was two thousand ten, maybe. Um, okay, he's sixties. He was in the sixties then. Yeah, and it's still that's that. And that's what that's the thing. Like we've had, as we've traveled and done our ministry, we've had people come up to us, and you know they're in their eighties, and they're like, "Hey, I'm still working through this." And so that honestly, yeah, that's, a, that's a pretty away. common thing. Yeah, it's a it's a lifelong process. Some people they get through, get over it, and well, they say they get over it. They're still dealing with things, but um, you know, some people they process it very well, and they they're able to overcome it and stuff. Um, some people, it's just they take take a, it's a lifelong thing. And honestly, when you don't have God, when you don't have God filling that gap, I mean, that's it's so much harder. And so it's it's interesting to hear that it was in his probably sixties whenever that that was recorded, and he saw his dad's grave. Um, yeah. So hard. And you said it right there when people don't have God, because see what yeah. what we're seeing today is just a domino effect of nobody putting God into the equation to just stop everything from falling down. Because when I tell you this, you know, I was telling you on the phone the other day, our youth group's blown up since you were last here. It's great. Um, Our bus ministry is just beyond booming. We're going to have to get a second band. Um, I can't think of one kid. I'm not exaggerating. I can't think of one kid in our youth group who doesn't come from a broken home. And more than half of them, it's a really bad situation. Really, really, really bad. Really? And it truly grieves mine and my wife's Morgan's heart. Um, and we'll take these kids out, we'll have lunch with them, talk with them. And really, you it's no shock to you. Fatherlessness, it plays a huge part. It's like this this one girl, we're going to see the Jesus Revolution next Wednesday in theaters, which I'm so excited about. And uh, I've seen it. It's a good good movie. Seen it. (laughs) I'm so excited to see it. And um, this one girl that she and her sisters come to church, their mom lives with her boyfriend, the mom's boyfriend. Uh, He's very abusive. He's not a good man. I don't feel bad saying that. He's not a good person. Um, so much so, um, on Thanksgiving weekend, he attacked his, her oldest daughter, almost broke her nose. I mean, it's terrible. Uh, that girl now lives with her aunt and uncle. And the mom still hasn't woken up that, wow, I lost one of my daughters because of this guy. But uh, yeah. the other sisters haven't been to church in like a month, uh, where I do a Bible study at schools on Wednesday morning, I uh, saw one of the girls today. She came up and we were talking and I said, Hey, are you going to come to the movie next week? She said, well, mom says I can, but this guy, I'm not going to say his name, but he says I can't. So I don't know. And I'm like, well, uh, what, what, what authority does he have over you? But see, again, if we just go back to the issue, it's people choosing to live out of the biblical outline for our life, not you know, man and a woman getting married, having a family, and staying together. Instead, what we see is a bunch of people shacking up, having fun, having flings, and then they end up hurting their children. And yeah. the only way to keep this from continuing is to 
have God intervened. And that's our prayer. And I know that's your prayer as well. Does the mom come to church? No, no. She always, uh, she makes excuses. Um, I have a good relationship with her. She's very, that's the thing that makes me sad. She's a really nice woman. Um, And I think part of the reason she makes excuses is on account of her boyfriend being very controlling. How long has she been with him? I think three, four years. And her daughters are 17, 15, and 10. Yeah, definitely refer to our ministry. We'd love to try to help her out. Oh, and definitely. Well, yeah, we. My but my uh, mom, my mom made that mistake and moved in with a guy, and it, it was it was like that, very controlling. I remember him threatening to kill all of us multiple times or several times at least, um, just fearing that like and it, it was just he would threaten. He's like, if hey, if you don't show up um, by a certain time at night, or you know, just all kinds of threats, like very controlling and. Just crazy, man. And and yeah, my mom lived in a house like that. And it took her, it took my mom years to to wake up and finally like, you know, Realize. get away from that. Yeah. And, and so for me, when you say that, I'm like, that's just like I'm having PTSD. <laughs> like <laughs> what's your art? Well, yeah. I, I didn't mean... I didn't well, I was blessed not to live there. I got to live in my grandparents' house. Um but my mom, my brother, my sister had to live in that house. And it was just and I wasn't allowed to go there. Like my brother had a 16th birthday party there. I wasn't allowed to be there because he didn't like me. And so that was that kind of controlling you, you on that side of it. I believe how freaky it is, how similar uh-huh. this is. I mean, yeah. it is to the point like when the girl who she's now living with her aunt and uncle, when her mom is going to visit her, he won't let her take his car because she, he hates her so much. doesn't want her to even yeah. sit in the yes. car. Um, he will say, you can't go to church unless you do the dishes, and then he'll turn off the water um he'll yeah he'll disconnect i'm I'm sure this wasn't an issue with you he'll turn off the wi-fi where you know he's like okay uh call and get a you know you call you can message dylan on messenger to get the band to come pick you up oh well such and such we don't we don't have a wi-fi to message him can we use your phone oh the wi-fi must be out just very abusive very mentally controlling so i'd look honestly and i've been meaning to say this you know, I'd love, you know, if you're ever back in this neck of the woods, we'd love to have you back, even do a Zoom call because, you know, where we have so many new kids, your ministry, and we've got your posters in our youth room. We've, right. I've got your uh, prayer cards. I've got your app, little uh, QR codes and everything. And I promote your ministry. But just, again, putting a face and hearing it like this girl, like a part of me wants to be like, hey, I'm going to go when I pick her up for church tonight, you're going to talk to her on the way to church. <laughs> <laughs> just to be like, you're not alone. You know, yeah. It's just your ministry is so great and it's really needed. Well, however we can help, man, that's, that's our passion. And yeah, especially that situation's given me like flashbacks to yeah. just tell her there's hope, tell her there's hope um, and, and tell her to be honest. You know, if things are going on that she needs to report, that right. it sounds like there might, there might be. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like that's what we tell in our training, you know, if there's something happening, we, and we tell we tell kids if there's somebody hurting you, report it. Don't be afraid of that person. Report it. Report it. Report it. Get them in trouble. That's one thing about this guy that my mom lived with. He was scared to death of the cops, and so my mom would threaten, "Hey, I'm going to call the cops." And I wish she would have because he could have been right. locked up. I mean, yeah, this terrible, terrible people. Ah, I mean, you don't understand. It's like sometimes you wonder, like, why does God let them live? You know what I mean? Right. Just horrible people. Oh, I think that it's it's terrible, you know. And I, I've often said this: the more you're in ministry, 
it's not that it's biblical or right by any means, but you get cynical and just have that mindset. It's just like, why are you even here? What, what are you, what good are you giving to the world? And then of course you see, you know, we're reminded of God's mercy, God's grace who, you know, I, and I've preached this to our kids a lot because it's really, I don't know if you've ever seen this in youth ministry, but I've had some kids be like, why do you let that person come to church? I'm like, what? They're just a troublemaker. Yeah. They're, they're not here for the right reason. I'm like, yeah. okay, first of all, that's between them and God. Second of all, they need Jesus just as much as you need Jesus. Because in God's eyes, we're all sinners. We're all messed up. You broke one of the Ten Commandments, you're guilty of breaking them all. And when we start to see other people the way God sees them, that's where we can have that same compassion, mercy, and grace. But it's hard sometimes. It's really oh, hard. Oh, it sometimes. is. I yeah, God's had to work on me about that. I mean, I, I, I've, I've, I've calmed down so much over the years. I mean, I used to, I, there was, there was times years ago where I had, I thought, you know, I'm in a ministry where if, if guy's beating up his wife, I want to have a ministry. We go beat him up. You know what I'm saying? I honestly remember that. Up. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was like, hey, let's, hey. We're gonna take care of it. We're gonna defend the defend the widows. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you know, don't worry. Well, what's going on? What's going on? What's good? We heard something about you, man. <laughs> God sent us to give you a message. <laughs> oh it. man, we're so we're so spiritual over here right now. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey! Trying to help the fatherless out, and and that's the sad thing is these kids they get put in these situations where they already their dad's already gone and they're, they're that's their sense of security especially for a girl the dad's already gone and then they get put in this position with these these losers um these these people these people that don't love god they don't care about anybody they don't love them and that's they're supposed to be their security and and no wonder we have a messed up society right i mean right. they're getting put in these positions and so is there any other uh, teenagers that you um, you know, you're dealing with all these situations. Is there any other, other examples that you have where things you've seen with fatherlessness in your youth group? I mean, what are the, uh, as a youth pastor, what are the biggest things you're, you're dealing with? I'm dealing with just a lot of anger and bitterness. I've got one kid who he is, um, he's actually, uh, he's more of a parentless kid. His, um, his dad wanted nothing to do with him when he was born. So he had no relationship with his dad. He knew who his dad was. That was it. Um, his mom was into all kinds of drugs. She got put in jail. She got out of jail this year. Um, he's been living with his grandparents and then she just moved into his room and he tells me, he's like, I wake up in the morning hearing her snorting pills. Um, and, uh, he just, he truly, it breaks my heart. He hates her. Absolutely hates her. Um, he hates his whole family. And honestly, Again, from a non-Christian standpoint, I'm like, I see how you could get to that. Even just from a Christian standpoint, again, seeing people where they are, it's like, yeah, I understand why you feel that way. Um, and then he found out his dad overdosed this summer and nobody told him. Um, wow. But I'd say the biggest need just in youth ministry, and this goes for every church, we need male figures to step up and be yeah. those spiritual leaders. Not Obviously, we can't replace a father. But what we can do is be there on Wednesday nights or youth nights, be there on Sundays, be there on special events, invest in these kids' lives, talk to them, care about them. I mean, the fact that kids will almost cry when you show up to their ball game 
tells you there is a big gap missing in the yeah. line. And then if we can just step up and fill that gap, because what to us, it's like, you want me to come see your basketball game where you're going to only be in the game for two rounds, you know, and this is from a non-father perspective. It's like, okay. But then you go there and you realize that's just as big of a ministry as getting up and preaching a 30 minute sermon with the gospel yes. because you're yeah. showing the love of Christ. You're showing that love, care, and compassion. That's really what's needed. That's so true. And it's the James 127 says to visit the fatherless, you know, it's pure religion and visiting them is it's not just showing up at church and saying, Hey, you know, let me preach a message at you. It's visiting them. It's looking upon them in order to help or to benefit. And I, I appreciate you saying that we got to wrap up. Um, but just Dylan, just tell us where, where we can find more information about your ministry, how we can follow you. Uh, cause I want people to know where, where to find you at. Yeah. So, um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Celebrity Evangelist. I'm not the celebrity. I'm evangelizing two celebrities. Um, also, we have a website, uh, celebrityevangelist.org. You can sign up for quarterly newsletters there. You can get more information, obviously, from our social media of each celebrity encounter. Um, also, there's a really cool way you can join the mission. You can be a part of some of these convention signings and partner with us that way. That's a huge help and blessing. That's great, man. Well, thank you so much for being on and looking forward to sharing more about you. I appreciate all the insights about fatherlessness. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for all you're doing, praying for you too. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. To learn more about how you can get involved in fatherless family ministry, visit lifefactors.org where you can find some free resources. You can find our books that we have. You can find some, even the program that we have to help you start a single mom ministry within your ministry or within your church. We can all work together to lead fatherless families to the Heavenly Father. Thank you.